The NBA draft has come and gone, but more work is on the way for Charlotte's front office. We are days away from the start of free agency. And Nashville is known for country music, not watermelon, but it is now after Ross Chastain takes control in the Music City. Welcome to a jam-packed hour-long edition of Charlotte Sports Live. She is Grace Brill. I am Mike Lissette. And Grace, this is like the start of your dream season here. Baseball, baseball, baseball. Baseball, baseball, and yeah. more baseball. We've got a rubber match in Cincy between the two hottest teams in Major League Baseball and a national championship on the line for two SEC powerhouses out west in Omaha. But for the second straight week, we lead with your dream is, of Hornets. This is my kind of start. This to is your show, kind right? of start. Without to a show. Doubt. <laughs> All right, now the NBA draft is in the books. The next order of business. For the Hornets, as well as everyone else in the league, is building up their rosters through free agency. While teams can't sign anyone until July 6th, they can start negotiating with players this Friday. Seeing how the Hornets already have a ton of young guys, it sounds like the top priority for general manager Mitch Kupchak is to get some quality vets in that locker room. I'm not sure if we have, you know, that that leader, that, that one veteran, um, I think you could look at a couple of guys on our team and you might say in a year or two, they'll, they'll grow into being leaders, right? But we don't have that one person. And for the last couple of years, it's, it's fallen to the coach, you know, to be the leader. And we're looking for somebody in the locker room that can fill that role. All right, so with the addition of the rookies this past week, Charlotte heads into free agency with three spots open on its roster. That then begs the question of who could be the odd man out this summer, including Miles Bridges and P.J. Washington, who are restricted free agents. The Hornets will have six guys not under contract. Among the unrestricted free agents is Kelly Oubre. The 27-year-old is coming off of a career year in which he averaged 20 points a game, and you better believe that he wants to get paid. So there's a – he's actually one of – Kelly Oubre is actually one of the names that I've seen tossed around as they might look to trade him because of the season he had off and they are so heavy. Well, here's the thing. I mean, he does – is coming off a great season. There's no doubt about that. But as we just said, he's mm -hmm. looking to get paid. I'm not sure if they're going to pay him that top dollar. I think they're going to bring back Miles Bridges. Miles yeah. is obviously going to be doing so a lot of that scoring. Here's the thing. Mitch Kupchak just alluded to it right there. They're looking for quality leaders. From what I'm told, Kelly is doesn't necessarily have the best work ethic around during practice. I'm not sure he's the type of guy that they're going to paid top dollar to have when he's not being a good example necessarily for the other, some of the other younger players. That notwithstanding, he is a great guy, great player. He has indicated that he would like to stay in Charlotte. Uh, They've all if, indicated if that. Every free stay. agent has indicated that they would like to stay in Charlotte. We know they are not staying in Charlotte, but this could be – he could be part of the package deal then to go get – a veteran yes, presence because even if you keep trade, yeah. even if you keep Miles Bridges, I'm not sure he's he's not the no. veteran presence. I, I would look for. I mean, if here's, here's a guy. I mean, the free agent class that, class this year is not very strong. You got uh, James Harden, Russell Westbrook, Kyrie Irving. Those guys aren't great. Someone like Harrison Barnes. There's a guy that yes, has a won Tar a championship. Heel. A Tar Heel. He's the type of guy that I think they'd want to sign and get in the locker room to set an example for the younger players. I'd look for him to sort of Test make a move on that. Experience. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, free agency follows the draft, which saw Charlotte uh, pick up four rookies, Brandon Miller, Nick Smith Jr. in the first round, James Nashi and Amari Bailey in the second round. Probably know a lot about Miller already, but what about the other guys? Gabe McDonald joining us now with a deep dive into the new faces. And Gabe, there's a lot of like about the rookies, right? 
Yeah, guys, they brought in a big class. They entered last Thursday with five draft picks, which is tied for the most in the NBA. But even though there were mixed reactions from fans on who was selected, the organization considers this draft to be a relative success. We're very pleased, okay? But, you know, you have to remember that, you know, you get to look back on it in four years and then you find out how you really did. But for the time being, the Hornets were able to fill immediate needs with their four-man draft class. The top prize of the group, of course, being Brandon Miller, who was selected second overall. The 2023 SEC Player of the Year's outside shooting skill to go along with his 6'9 frame makes him a versatile asset to a team that needs more scoring. Charlotte was 27th in the league in that department a season ago. Later in the first round, the Hornets were able to land one of the diamonds in the rough in this year's class. Nick Smith Jr. out of Arkansas was the top player in the nation coming out of high school in 2022. An injury would sideline him for most of his loan season with the Razorbacks, which pushed him out of the lottery, which allowed him to land in the Queen City. Both of the Hornets' first-round selections have a long history with each other and spent time Friday comparing each other's game. He's definitely a crafty guard, um, real creative. Um, I remember we played him, he kind of hit one of my teammates with an in-and-out hezzy first game floater. Um, I think I kind of like that move, so I kind of steal that from him. <laughs> very long, uh, very athletic, and he pretty much can do you know, anything, you know, to help a team win. And uh, he's definitely, a, you know, especially off the court, a great teammate to have for sure. Then to kick off the second round, the Hornets addressed the front court by trading two picks to the Celtics to select FC Barcelona's James Naji. While raw offensively, he has good rim protecting ability with his NBA ready body at 6'11 with a 7'5 wingspan. Naji! UCLA's Amari Bailey was Charlotte's final selection of the night. Another former five-star recruit, Bailey stepped up big time towards the end of his freshman season, helping the Bruins reach the Sweet 16. Now his defense does leave much to be desired, but he is a solid shooter, with averages of nearly 50% from the field and 40% from deep while in college. Bailey, right back. So the talent and depth is there. Only time will tell how much this draft class will shape the future of the Hornets. So, of course, looking at all three guys they brought in, I think we were just talking about it a little bit ago. Getting Nick Smith, a guy, I mean, top recruit coming out of high school. If he doesn't get hurt last year, that's a guy that you're looking at as being a potential lottery pick. So, I mean, being able to get him is a good bonus. But I think those second-round picks probably won't be on the roster. Mitch Kupchak alluded to that, probably going to be in Greensboro. Najee could stay overseas, but I think still they're guys that could really grow. That's really how they want to build this team through the draft, you know, and trying to just building it more homegrown, so to speak. I agree that Smith Jr. is a steal in this, but yeah. again, the concern is if. It's that if he can stay healthy, True. which is the storyline with LaMelo. It's yeah. been the storyline. I hate that storyline. I think it was a good risk to make, though. I mean, yeah. you're looking at a guy that before the injury was potentially top five, yeah. top ten. He played only, I think, 17 games right. last year. Yeah. 12 points, you saw flashes of potential, and he was not 100%. True. He says he's 100% now. He could be, as you said, the and steal of the draft. As for Nashi, this guy, big, long yeah. wingspan, seven foot seven. That way, yeah. Mitch Kupchak loves guys that are like that. If they can get him into form, he yeah. can be a presence down low. And I think the thing with Smith, I mean, having a guy at his size at 6'5 that can handle the ball that way, that's shifty, Definitely a guy you want in your squad. He could be that dominant in the rough, maybe with in this whole class, if you're talking about. Not just for the Hornets, but maybe the entire NBA as well. And Wingspan, 6'8 yeah. with him too. Another long guy. Length was a problem for Charlotte going into this draft. I don't think it's as much of a problem now. Yeah, they got to get that scoring as well, but the length definitely helps. And the Hornets fans, they've been debating for months if Charlotte should take Brandon Miller or Scoot Henderson, number two overall. So when the moment came to make the pick Thursday, Queen City News anchor Morgan Francis was there to get the first reactions. Fan reaction changed in an instant from excitement and hope 
to disappointment and frustration. We really have a bad history of bad picks. Uh, Lamelo was a great pick, but if you look through the last 15 years, we have a really bad history of lottery picks. With the second pick in the NBA draft, Hornets selected Alabama forward Brandon Miller. It's not what most in the room had expected or even wanted. I'm not upset. I'm just a little disappointed. Because if Brandon Ingram, Zion Williamson, and Scoot Henderson were on the board, I really want Brandon Miller just to be better than those three, and I'm not sure if he will be. Loyal fans throughout the years have seen and felt the struggles. Hope has been running high since news broke the Hornets would get the number two pick. I think the biggest thing is that this fan base, uh, more so than anything, we have to thrive off hope because we never really get anything other than hope, like what can be and what possibly could happen. And this is the biggest amount of hope or the largest amount of hope we've had in quite some time. In the end, Charlotte will welcome Brandon Miller with open arms, but the expectations are high for a team that has a lot of promise. Because as Michael Jordan once said, talent wins games, but teamwork and intelligence wins championships. If you want to prove us wrong, prove it on the court. For the record, I do think yeah, that. On a hockey, five. Hurricanes not allowed to bet, let Jordan Stahl get away with their longest tenured player set to become an unrestricted free agent this Saturday. Two sides agreed on a new $11.6 million contract that keeps the 34-year-old in Carolina for another four years. Stahl has been the Canes captain since 2019. Last year, the 16-year vet tallied 17 goals and 34 points in 81 games. Well, much to Grace's delight, we've got lots of baseball on deck. We'll take you out to the Great American Ballpark for a rubber match in the Braves and Reds. Yeah, we'll also head out to Omaha where the Florida Gators set a college World Series record. That is just ahead. Yeah, scoring not a problem in Omaha today, but it has been one for Charlotte FC. The crowd approaching an absurd amount of minutes without a goal. Christian Latanzio fleeing to his stars coming up. You're watching Charlotte Sports Live. We'll be right back. Rubber match in Cincy this afternoon between the Braves and the Reds. Atlanta's got one on the board and one on. Sean Murphy lines one to left. That is Austin Riley coming in from third. Braves now up 2-0 with two on. Marcel Azuna is the next batter. He sends it the same way. Will Benson just having a tough time out there and left. RBI single for Azuna. Matt Olson scores as the Braves play three in the third. Reds respond, though, in the fourth. They already got one back. Matt McClain gets one into the gap. It's a two-run double. And this game is tied at three. Sixth inning, Matt Olson with runners on the corner. You want to know why he's the four-hole hitter? Please tell. This is why. Three-run shot to left. His 25th home run of the season gives the Braves a 6-3 lead. But just like last night, it is a one-run game in the ninth. Rysel Iglesias in to close it out. He gets Kevin Newman to ground into a 5-4-3 double play. Braves hang on to win 7-6 and take the series in Cincy. It's fun. Uh, it's a good atmosphere here. Uh, being, being a part of, of a series like that is always fun. Uh, coming out on the, on the winning side of it is even better. Um, but like I said, uh, a scrappy bunch. Uh, you know, we were, we were scoring some runs and, and they were putting together really good at-bats to, to you know, keep up with us. So uh, it was some solid wins there. 
Yeah, Matt Olson's pretty solid too. Currently on pace for a 50 home run season. He hit four in this weekend's series alone. Here's a look at the National League home run leaders through today. Matt Olson tops the NL with 25 home runs so far, followed by Pete Alonso with 24. Miami's Jorge Soler has hit 21. Kyle Schwarber for the Phillies, he's hit 20 this season. And rounding out the top five, Atlanta's Ozzy Albi. So those are the NL leaders, but Olson's Numbers still hold up league-wide. He shares that top spot with the Angels, Shohei Ohtani. Hey, speaking of home runs, we saw quite a few of them out in Omaha today. Gabe McDonald joining us now with more on Game 2 of the College World Series. Yeah, Mike, we had a whole lot of bombs in Omaha today. After another game decided by just one run in the College World Series, conference foes LSU and Florida were back at it today. The Gators left the field last night thinking they should have won. Today they were out for revenge to keep their season alive. And we had an afternoon matchup in Omaha. The Tigers looking to win their first title in 14 years. And it was going smooth to start. Bottom one, two on for Gavin Dugas. Goes deep into right center for the RBI double. That would drive in Dylan Cruz, the leadoff man. LSU with the early lead over the Gators. But then after that, yeah, it was pretty rough for the men in goal. Tied at three in the third. Gators with two on. Luke Heyman with the grounder to short. Jordan Thompson can't make the play. One of five LSU errors in the game. That one loads the bases, and just two batters later, Ty Evans makes the Tigers pay. A deep shot to left, looks foul, but it lands just inside the foul pole for a grand slam. That would be his second homer of the day, and it put Florida up by four runs. From there, the onslaught was just beginning. Six inning, Wyatt Langford at the dish, and you can forget about it. No doubt about that one. A three-run jack. The Gators extend their lead to eight runs. And guys, they weren't even close to done. Top eight, Jack Caglione back up. And he loads up and leaves the yard for a two-run homer to right field. His second home run of the day. It is a 19-3 game, folks. Football season starting early between these two. And you can all guess where this is going. Florida crushes LSU 24-4 to force a winner-take-all game three. The Gators glad to have the chance to play one last time tomorrow. It feels pretty incredible. I mean, not just, you know, me contributing, but just a... Uh, our team as a whole, you know, we got a lot of older guys that are leaving next year, a lot of guys that just really care about this team. So to be able to help, you know, give our uh, team a chance to win, is, uh, it's been incredible. We're excited about the opportunity to play tomorrow. Obviously, we can't take any of these runs in tomorrow. We'll have to reset and reboot, but um, awfully proud of the way they responded from yesterday's, you know, last night's tough loss. Yeah, an absolute bomb fest in Omaha. So many records in this one. Florida's 24 runs, of course, the most ever in a College World Series game. And the seven combined home runs are also a new record for a World Series matchup. Game three going to be a big one slated for tomorrow night at 7. Guys? All righty. The minors, we've officially reached the halfway point of the night season with one final game coming against Louisville this afternoon. Things not really ending on a high note. Henry Ramos with a solo shot to get things started for the bats. Uh, in the first, they would jump out to a 6-0 lead. Knights did get to within two at one point. However, the bats had just too many weapons. Knights go down 19-7 to finish the first half at 35-40. They don't qualify for the playoffs, but they will get another shot since records now reset for the second half of the year. All right, well, one guy who is set to have a great second half is Knights left-handed pitcher Garrett Davila. He's playing professional ball not too far from where he grew up, and not only is he playing closer to home than he ever has before in his pro career, he's also the closest he's ever been to making a big league roster. From Belmont, North Carolina. There's not many big leaguers that hail from Belmont, North Carolina. Um, I can think of two other ones outside of me. Those being Devin Lowry and Jeffrey Springs. And not only are they all from the same town. All from the same high school. 
That high school being South Point in Belmont, North Carolina, where Garrett Davila was drafted out of in 2015 by the Kansas City Royals. Don't think about like being a major league baseball player when you're 15 years old. You dream about it, but you don't like think you can do it until like you get to the professional side of it really. Davila has been on the professional side for the past eight years and coming out of high school the development was much more than baseball. I was lucky enough to have some great men uh, teach me baseball and teach me how to be a good man so now like where I'm at like as a as an older minor leaguer like getting to try to help some of the younger kids that come along. It delivers. It's been awesome just trying to pay it forward really. And for Davila things seem to be moving forward. After lots of back and forth from AA Birmingham, he's been able to stay up at Charlotte for the past month now, realizing his shot at making the big league roster now closer than ever. I mean, there's countless guys here that are getting called up. There's guys, friends of mine in other organizations that have been grinding through the minor leagues for six, seven, eight years that are finally getting called up. So it's just, it's more so that. It's watching your friends get finally get called up after such a long time of doing it that makes me see like, oh, I can do this. All right, many college athletes are scoring major deals for their name, image, and likeness. We'll jump into the arena of transfer portals and NIL deals and if they've gone too far. And Charlotte SD draws Montreal. The club now winless in their last five matches. Head coach Chris Latanzio needs his stars to step up. Talks more about it just ahead on Charlotte Sports Live. Well, it sounds like Charlotte FC head coach Christian Latanzio has seen one too many ties. Last night's nil-nil affair against Montreal was his team's third in a row, and it might have been their most frustrating. The crown hasn't scored in close to 160 minutes, and as if that weren't enough, their winless streak has now reached five games. Latanzio says it's time for his team leaders to step up and fix these problems. I am disappointed because uh, for me, our Big players, our big strikers, they have to play better. So I told them, and I think that it's clear that when we play uh, the way we want to play, creating our structure and our offensive organization, we can create a lot. Then we have to finish. Well, Charlotte has a couple days to think about it. They're back to it Wednesday at New York City. Well, we are in a new era in college sports. Amateur athletes are now employed athletes who can decide not only where they'll play, but how much they make. But have things gone too far? Well, that depends who you ask. Soon after taking the job as the head coach of the Charlotte 49ers football team, Biff Poggi welcomed 28 transfers to the program. On the surface, it would sure seem like he's a fan of the ever-controversial transfer portal. But hold on. You didn't ask me if I thought it was good for the game. As it turns out, his opinion, much like the issue at hand, is a lot more complicated. You see, Poggi doesn't have a problem with the idea of the portal itself. Instead, it's his peers who are to blame. People are overstepping their bounds with promising playing time. And when they don't get it? It wasn't really a tough decision. They leave town, just like Damon Clowney did when he transferred from Ole Miss to join Poggi at Charlotte this offseason. Finally get to play, you know, just let this world see what I can do. Clowney is one of more than 6,000 college football players who entered the transfer portal at the start of the 2022 season. That number includes the 2,100 alone who entered last December. It's an astounding number that doesn't make former Louisville Athletic Director Vince Tyre miss certain aspects of the job. Tyre worked at UofL from 2018 until 2021. Like Poggi, he believes there's a lot of dishonesty in college sports today. 
However, Tyree feels it goes well beyond the matter of playing time. Touchdown, Tigers! The idea that their uh, NL is not being used as an inducement seems naive. Though any direct deals would be a clear violation of NCAA recruiting rules, Tyree believes it's still happening. He's not pointing fingers, but he admits he shakes his head when he sees a starter going from one Power 5 conference to the next. How much is enough? I mean, if a kid's in NIL and he's making a couple hundred thousand dollars, I'm not sure he wants to go back and say, hey, we're all going to make 50. I'm not taking a pay cut. He's not apologizing to anyone. Kansas transfer Hunter Dickinson would agree, recently admitting that money played a huge part in his decision to leave the Michigan basketball team. Dickinson! As he said in his podcast, quote, the people hating on me would leave their job right now for a $10,000 increase. I got less than six figures at Michigan for the year. End quote. How about a hurdle? With the average deal for Division I football players rising 179% in the NIL's second year of existence, there's no question the balance of power is shifting fast. But while some traditionalists feel the very fabric of the NCAA is hanging by a thread, Tyree remains hopeful in finding a solution that satisfies everyone. I don't want to give up on the system, but it's going to take some work and think about all the things that have occurred and how you mitigate them or, or frankly, improve it. Ultimately, things might get worse before they get better. That's why Pogey advises potential student-athletes to be wary of any deal that sounds too good to be true. If any coach offers you NIL, ask him to put it on paper and sign it. But Pogey isn't counting on that to happen anytime soon. Till then, he says he'll continue to shoot straight, promising his players nothing except an opportunity, yeah, working, man. as well as his best. Get better every day. Michael said, Charlotte Sports Live. Well, obviously, this is a topic that gets a lot of people fired up. And while I understand that traditionalists don't want college athletes to get paid, I think you watch the games on TV, you can see there's money in the air. I think student athletes are entitled to get a cut of that. Yeah, just the whole the whole thing that's turned into it is exactly what the people who were against this. This is what they said was going to happen, and here we are. I did like Poji's last uh, last soundbite there about him saying like ask them to sign it because at this point you are it opens up the door for people to take advantage of these student athletes because they're still kids, and when money's involved, it's like okay, well now you are an equal, and now you're an adult, and now you're a paid employee, so, and I don't think college athletes are ready for that. They're ready to get paid, but they're not ready for the responsibility or the the back and forth of business that comes with making a dime. I know our producer, Joey, has brought out an interesting point. I'm sure it's been brought out, but Joey brings out a good point, is that, hey, you know, you can either get the NIL or you can go for the scholarship. You can't have both. I think that might be a good solution to the issue. I mean, personally, I'm just kind of jealous that they have so much say in it, right? Yeah. Me and you signed contracts in our lifetime and our career, and I don't remember having the ability to choose how much I wanted to get paid and where to go. So All we got to do is just create some, you know, buzzworthy TikToks. If then, only we know, were more yeah. athletically talented. Well, yeah. <laughs> All right, Hornets we'll fans that. are placing their hopes in Brandon Miller to lead Buzz City back to the playoffs as soon as possible. The number two overall pick goes one-on-one -on -one with Charlotte Sports Live next. And where does Charlotte rank among U.S. sports towns? There's a list circulating on social media that isn't making Charlotte sports fans look very good. We're going to talk about that next on CSL. Well, Brandon Miller joins the list of Hornets' number two overall picks all time, and it's been a mixed bag of results. In 1992, you had Alonzo Mourning with... He was a winning selection. He was picked behind Shaquille O'Neal that year. In 2004, Emeka Okafor went to Charlotte second after Orlando took Dwight Howard 
Okafor had a decent NBA career, but maybe didn't live up to expectations. And then in 2012, Michael Kidd Gilchrist went second after Anthony Davis, and he never panned out offensively. With that, we welcome <laughs> you back into Charlotte Sports Live. On He's Mike Lissette. I'm Grace Grill, and we are with you till 11:30 tonight. And Mike, Brandon Miller, the big fish in Charlotte right now. Yeah, absolutely. And unlike you know some of those number two picks, we are not going to disappoint the two of us. There we go, right there. And that, of course, means we obviously had to sit down with this year's number two pick in an exclusive. Charlotte Sports Live interview. Here's Brandon Miller's conversation with Will Kunkel that happened shortly after Miller was introduced here in Charlotte. Welcome home. Thank you. Uh, blessing just being here. Uh, you know, just excited moments. Can't really explain, you know, the, the feelings that I'm feeling. What is it like when you look around right now and like this is now yours and some other guys' arena? Um, it definitely gonna be nervous when you know see this when you see it packed out. It's definitely bigger than Coleman Coliseum, most definitely. <laughs> Um, but, you know, just just coming out here and having fun and trying to get as many wins as I can. What have the last 24 hours been like for you? You were just telling me you have had two hours of sleep and it came on a plane. Two hours <laughs> of sleep. Um, you know, it's just exciting. You know, just blood always flowing. You know, you're always, your adrenaline always pumping. Um, you know, the, the moment last night when, when your name gets called, I think that's probably the biggest moment in my life now. Um, so it's just um, me living uh, day by day, taking it slow with my family. So have you had that moment yet where you sat back and were like, man, it feels like yesterday I was in fifth grade. I just, just learned how to uh, do a lefty layup. Like uh, I was <laughs> yesterday, I feel like I was, it was yesterday. <laughs> it was what it felt like. But no, nah, I, think, I think just living up to the moments, um, just taking it day by day is really important. Uh, not trying to move too fast. I think you can probably, you can definitely stress yourself out just, you know, thinking ahead. Hornets fans fell in love with you. Some Hornets fans fell in love with Scoot Henderson. The reaction videos last night went viral, some booing, some cheering. What's your message to the fans that were booing, saying you aren't the right man for the job? Uh, well, to the ones that's booing, um, I'm here to let you know I'm, we're going to get a lot of wins this year. Definitely going to try to get the, you know, hold up the big trophy at the end. Um, you know, just going to have a lot of winners around me. What do you know about the Hornets? Uh, I know they have, you know, superstar LaMelo Ball. <laughs> I think with him and his IQ and his playmaking, um, and then my ability to you know make shots, um, I think that's a, a great duo to have. Um, but you know I don't really take pride on the offense side; I take pride on the defense side. So I think um, defense is, is about winning basketball games, and that's how you win basketball games. Who's Brandon Miller? Like if you didn't play basketball, how would you describe yourself? Uh, approachable, <laughs> um, definitely approachable. If you see me in Charlotte, come up and speak. You're going to regret that statement. No, 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 no. I'm, I'm always approachable. I'm willing to, you know, have conversations with anybody. You sure about that? 300% positive. <laughs> all right, man. We appreciate your time. We know you're going to be a fan of Charlotte Sports Live. All right. You need a better answer than that, man. Come on. One week from tomorrow, he's going to get his first crack at playing the first overall pick, Victor Wembanyama, on July 3rd. Charlotte will kick off their summer league schedule in Sacramento against the Spurs. This will be the Hornets' first ever appearance in the California Classic. After that event wraps up, they'll head to Vegas for more summer league action starting July 7th. So a busy time ahead now for all of Charlotte's rookies. All right, so this is a little off topic, but we have to share this with you tonight because we have a few thoughts of our own. So Big Game Boomer on Twitter is getting roasted for its list of top 10 worst sports towns in the U.S. Here's the list. Atlanta, Charlotte, San Diego, Orlando, and Phoenix. 
are the top five, and then the remaining five are Tampa Bay, Baltimore, Miami, Los Angeles, and Washington, D.C. Once again, this is not our list, but we do have thoughts. So just first of all, your initial thoughts. When I first saw this on Twitter, I thought this is this is a this is a joke. Yeah, I don't agree with this. Big game gamer is what boomer. 80, big game boomer. Get it right. Only at eighty three thousand followers, and I get that's respectable. But at the end of the day, he's got this wrong. I mean, Charlotte I want right to know what the, the criteria spot. was. That's, they don't give you yeah, the criteria yeah. of all this was. I mean, I gotta say, I, I was in both the Washington D.C. and Baltimore markets. I will say. D.C. is very pocketed. That's a hockey town. I yeah. feel they were a baseball town when they were good, and I feel like they would be a football town. I mean, the Redskins would be Redskins, the commanders now. Huge franchise. Yeah, There's a yeah. huge fan base there. I just don't think they've been able to shine. And Baltimore, I mean, you're going to see it now with the Ravens and the O's, but I just think this is kind of ridiculous. Cincy is pretty bad. I feel like Cincy should be right there at the top. Cincy as bad? Yeah, as, as a bad one. You, yeah. You see, yeah, better, worse than Atlanta or Carolina, no doubt about that. Yeah, a lot to unpack, yeah. but I just think it was kind of a joke. Well, guess what? Uh, NASCAR is back on the track after a week off on Under the Lights in Nashville. Who would take home the checkered flag in the Ally 400? We're going to find out next. All right, and a local mom started a program that gives girls a chance to be a part of a team. How this homeschool cheerleading team is schooling the competition. It's a great story. You don't want to miss it. That is coming up next here on Charlotte Sports Live. Well, today marked a return to racing. We had a night race in the Music City with the Ally 400. Ross Chastain on the pole after winning his first pole yesterday. Running well to start, but with about a third of stage one left, Tyler Reddick in the 45 passing him around turn four. Reddick would take stage one. It's his third stage win of the 2023 season. Now to stage two, midway point off the restart on lap 147. Some trouble for Kyle Busch and Ryan Blaney. Blaney would crash into the infield wall. And it wasn't pretty. Just like that, his day would be done. Those Toyotas doing work in the Music City. Denny Hamlin and points leader Martin Truex Jr. 1-2 to finish stage 2. And it's Hamlin with his fourth stage win of the season. But tonight would be all about first. Chastain able to rebound in the final stage. And he's able to break through and take his first checkered flag of the season. He's now locked into the playoffs. And we get to see a watermelon smashed yeah. on the track. Quite a return to racing. We all love to see a big Ross getting his first win. And of course, Next weekend may be the most anticipated one on the NASCAR calendar. The Cup Series heading to Chicago for the inaugural street race. It's going to be a fun one, guys. All right, thanks, Gabe. So switching gears these days, many families see a lot of advantages to homeschooling. One area that is still evolving, though, is the access to sports. Yeah, Queen City News reporter John Lee shows us how one mom started a program that's giving girls a chance to be a part of the team. Now this just might be the modern picture of you. Friends posing for group selfies. And that's just one way they've bonded. The backdrop for all those photos has become a home away from homeschool. Five, six, seven, eight. So this leg is going to spin around the body's twist. So much has turned around since many of them began cheerleading, including the coach's daughter, Addison Wilson. Seven. I think it's helped me grow as a person. I mean, I've become more outgoing. So you should be round offing this way, this way. Six years ago, Coach Lindy Wilson encouraged girls to take a leap of faith. Beautiful. She started Homeschool Charlotte Cheer, a squad that practices at Illumination Training Center installing. Nice. 
there was a need for a homeschool cheer team. Uh, homeschoolers are not always allowed to participate in public school sports. Lauren Smith didn't exactly jump at the chance. Actually, my mom found out about it and I did not want to do it in the beginning because I was really nervous and I was a very shy person as a kid. You can mark your toe touch. Five, seven, one, three, five, the majority of our homeschoolers that joined our team had no cheer, dance, or tumbling experience when they started. With time, they tapped into the spirit of camaraderie and competition. And I ended up loving it and I did not want to stop it. Our team has won nationals in their division the past two years in a row. So they have gotten significantly better since our first year. Addison says the sport's been like a compass, pointing her to a place she can excel. I want to define my sport. I've tried gymnastics and dance and they just weren't my thing. So I wanted to do cheerleading. Building a winning culture takes teamwork, not just among the teens. It also takes a community collaboration to pull it off. Many homeschoolers come from single income families. So Coach Wilson does her best to make the team as affordable as possible. Everyone volunteers their time. We use this gym here, which is also owned by a homeschool family, and they graciously let us use their space so that we can um, offer this at cost. And now, let's make some noise for Charlotte Homeschool their success led to this audition video and something to be thankful for this November. The Lady Panthers have been selected to be part of the Spirit of America Productions group that opens for Santa in the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. So it's a really big deal. I think this is an opportunity of a lifetime and it's just incredible to be able to be in the parade. In between the stunts and tumbles, they often land in front of a phone. Get in the half face. Oh, sure, there's no I in team, but there are iPhones. <laughs> I don't know if it worked. In Union County, John Lee, Queen City News. That is awesome. I grew up watching that parade, so I will be watching. All right, up next, the Queen City in the international spotlight. A major soccer tournament is expanding into the U.S what this means for the growing soccer city of Charlotte. Looking forward to hearing about that. And Michael Jordan will soon make way for new owners to take over Hornets operations. But just how much impact will the new guys have on upcoming free agency? We're going to talk about that next in Quick 6. Boys are in here studio singing. I should just yeah. let them do this. But we got some Gold Cup action. Opening match last night at Soldier Field in Chicago. The United States against Jamaica. 13th minute. Jamaica with the free kick. Damari Gray sends the ball into the box. Damian Lowe heads it into the back of the net. Jamaica leads 1-0. But the Americans would respond 88th minute. Jesus Ferreira sends a cross in. The ball is deflected to Brandon Vasquez. He shoots and he scores. This game ends in a 1-1 draw. The U.S. plays again on Wednesday. All right, could the Queen City score a major win with the new FIFA Club World Cup? Yeah, on Friday, FIFA appointed the United States as the host of its new expanded tournament in 2025. But what does that mean for Charlotte? Queen City News anchor Morgan Francis looks deeply into that question. The Queen City has shown its soccer pride in the first two seasons as the newest MLS expansion team. It's, I like that we have like a team here so we don't have to like go all over the place and try to find like a team to root for. They will be united in the United States. And now the U.S.'s ability to stage global events has landed at the opportunity to host the newly expanded 32-team FIFA Club World Cup. 
that's the best clubs in the entire world. So we're everybody's excited about Messi coming to Miami. Well, that's Messi and all the other best players. The tournament will take place summer of 2025, and Charlotte FC has confirmed with Queen City News they're, quote, looking into what it would take to place a bid to host one of the games. Charlotte FC can make that happen. The city of Charlotte can make that happen. I think everybody wins in that situation. If they didn't look into it, it would be pretty silly, right? Like, this is a great opportunity for them to not only get visibility as a newer team, but to be able to showcase the great things that not only the team has to offer, but what Charlotte has to offer as a whole. Whether Charlotte gets the opportunity to host a game, Charlotte FC does still have a chance to earn a bid to play. They would have to first win the MLS Cup and the CONCACAF Champions Cup which might be a tall order. We are just talking like the best of the best, like elite, elite status. But hey, dreamers dream, right? Crazy things happen. That's right. And even if they don't make the Club World Cup, their loyal fan base will still be here, cheering them on at home. They usually score a bunch of goals, which is exciting. They put on a show. Always love to see it. All right, time to go fast. Quick six time, two minutes on the clock. Any question I want, let's go. Let's put two minutes on. Y'all know the drill. Grace, you're up. Who has the most pressure to perform in their rookie season, Brandon Miller or Bryce Young? Oh, 100% Bryce Young. One, it's the NFL. You are the number one pick. They traded so much to get you, and you are expected to start immediately. It's 100% Bryce Young. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Mike, do you think the New Hornets owners will have a big say in free agency coming up? Yes. I mean, they do have NBA experience with the Hawks. I think they're going to come here. I think they are going to have a big part of the discussion. We'll see just who they bring in. All right, Grace, there's a viral vic <laughs> video of Victor Wembanyama bricking almost every shot he takes while shooting around in the Spurs arena. Is he a bust already? No, I mean, when I first saw the video, I was like, guys, come on. It was like his shoot around to take pictures of him in his uniform. But then you watch it a couple of times and you're just like, you know, it really doesn't look great. Like, you couldn't make one more. Like, yeah, I'm not I mean, saying he's a bust, but. Honestly, he should have just stuck to the alley-oops, if yeah. you ask me. All right, Mike, yeah. is the College World Series more exciting than the NCAA tournament? No, not at all. I mean, the College World <laughs> Series is exciting, but there is nothing like, especially the first, like, Four days of the NCAA tournament, wall to wall, buzzer beater after buzzer beater. That's the best. As much as I love hoops, I don't know. Th this tournament has this been fun. This final is way more. Like, I didn't watch the men's final this year like I normally would because I just, it, yeah, I think this the, final. The women's better. basketball final got more attraction than yeah. the men's. All right, Grace, you're back up. What is the most untouchable record in all of baseball? Oh, I feel like there's a lot. Like, normally I would go like a like a Cy Young pitching record, but in this day, the way pitching is so good, I'm going to have to go with Pete Rose's hit record. He's got like 4,000 hits. Yeah. I think Albert Pujols and Miguel Cabrera are like the closest to him, and they're still like 900 short. I think that's going to be a crazy one to touch. What about DiMaggio? History. His, what was that, 56? 56. That's going to be a tough Cal one. Cal Ripken? That's going to be a tough one. That's yeah, Cal, yeah. All right, Mike, last one. The Roxbury Nightclub in Charlotte unfortunately closes doors this weekend. <laughs> what song best represents 1990 sports? Easy. Two Unlimited, get ready for this. When I hear okay. that, I'm instantly transported to an age of baggy <laughs> shorts and baggy clothes and a lot of... You know, the 03 draft suit. It was suit, fun. Crazy. I went the Roxbury. Pants. The Roxbury was fun. Yeah. It was a good time. It was a good time. How about Miami? Will Smith. That's an honorable mention as well. All right. Well, the Angels are notorious underachievers in Major League Baseball, but not oh. Saturday. The team broke its franchise record for runs scored in a game thanks to a 25-run outburst against the Rockies. Los Angeles played it 13 runs, including back-to-back-to-back -to -back -to -back homers in the third inning. Find out if that's QC Crownworthy coming up next on CSL. Christmas has come early for all you Carolina sports fans. 
Charlotte Sports Live, the podcast, is officially live. It launched three nights ago and is on all your podcast providers. Scan the code on your screen. Even I could do this. Tap the button that pops up and subscribe. Get all your Charlotte Sports Live news and sports at the palm of your hand every day via podcast. Crown time. Please. What more could Do you it. ask yes. for? All right, my QC crown tonight going to Keegan Bradley. The New England native won the Travelers Championship today in Connecticut and also set a new tournament scoring record. Bradley went 62, 63, and 64 in the first three rounds and finished at 23 under 257, which is a shot better than Kenny Perry, who set the tournament record back in 09. It was Bradley's sixth PGA Tour victory and a good one, too, because it was an elevated event, which means, or it was elevated to a designated event, which means was a nice three some million. That's of, awesome. It's, it's nice. So is this, you gotta see this. Uh, this is Jolene Bumquo, shot put hammer throw champion, but last night her team needed a player since they were down two players or else they were gonna be disqualified. So what? she ran the hurdles, <laughs> 19 seconds behind the winner, but she didn't knock any over. They didn't get qualified, good for her. You were not gonna see Jolene, Dolly Parton? No. I we won't not. do that. Have a good night, everybody. We'll see you tomorrow.